Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC. Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary is the author of two outstanding books, The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, and Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at questions at optex.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, optex.com. And now here's Gary Smith. Good morning. Happy Saturday, everyone. Welcome uh, to the Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK. Great to have you along for the ride today uh, on this chilly, chilly Saturday morning here in New England, but at least we haven't gotten any snow yet. I know that there are those of you who are uh, who are looking forward to that. Uh, unfortunately, I am not. Uh, I've gotten to a point where uh, yeah, I'm ready to head south when, uh, when it starts getting cold outside. Now, I don't really mind the cold weather so much, but really don't have a strong passion for shoveling snow anymore uh, but there are those of you who are love it who love it so uh, who knows maybe we'll have a, a white Christmas this year we'll wait and see what uh, what the good Lord has to bring us but welcome to the show today uh, we have a, a great show uh, lined up for you uh, Dr. Gina Loudon is going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, we have a, a segment that we uh, taped with her on Christian leadership that I'm sure that you folks are just going to love. Uh, and I really am interested in getting your feedback on that. So feel free to call into the show, uh, 860-432-9735, with your uh, comments and questions. Um, also, you can text us at 860-856-7193 or email your questions to questions at optex, O-P-T-E-C-H-S dot com, and we'll be happy to, uh, to respond to you. As we start the show today, before we jump into our segment with, uh, with Gina, uh, there is uh, uh, something that I wanted to cover that I think is sort of important, um, and it doesn't necessarily relate uh, to our subject with Dr. Gina Loudon today. But I, I had gotten an email from a fellow uh, a few days ago uh, talking about social media. And, and I know social media has been one of the topics that we've touched on frequently here on The Gary Smith Show. Uh, but he was uh, writing to me, uh, you know, asking to connect with me on LinkedIn. And I have no problem with, uh, with connecting with individuals. But the thing that he said that kind of bothered me that I wanted to bring up today is that he was talking about um, he wanted to dramatically increase the number of LinkedIn connections that he had because his goal was to get more profile views because he firmly believed that getting more profile views uh, was going to lead to him as a consultant getting more business. And I wrote back to him and said, that's not the case. Um, that you know, I don't think that has that having more profile views necessarily leads to anything. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to hit this morning is I think we all need to understand that uh, when it comes to social media, quantity does not equal quality. You can have 100,000 people following you, and there are legitimately places out there where you can go where they will say, we will get you, uh, you know, for a $250 investment, we'll get you 10,000 followers. 
but it's all about relationships. It's not about the number of people you have following you. It's what relationship, what connection, real connection, relationally do you have with them? And so when I wrote back to him, I told him, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if you're looking for work, now, whether you're someone who's searching for a job, and there are a lot of people in the economy now who are looking for work, or whether you're self-employed and you're looking to get more more clients, more customers, you have to learn that you have to work for it. And that means uh, things like on LinkedIn as an example, targeted LinkedIn marketing, using the advanced search features to seek out companies and vid- individuals and connect with them personally, because it really is all about the relationship. It's things like joining and actively participating in groups that you're interested in and where you have something to offer. Because if you can develop a a reputation as a subject matter expert in a particular area, I think that helps immensely to get people interested in you. And the other thing that you can do on LinkedIn is you can write compelling blog posts uh, to further advance your expertise and to get out there and let people know who you really are. And if you're willing to uh, if you're willing to do that, then social media can be meaningful to you. Uh, but just to get out there and try to you know buy or get you know tons and tons of followers and things like that, at least in my experience, has not worked well. And I think you waste a lot of time and a lot of money trying to build up these huge numbers of people, but you don't do anything with them because there really is no connection there. And that, in some respects, is what we're going to be talking about with Gina Loudon today as we look at Christian leadership, because really Christian leadership is, is, a, is about two things. It's about relationships. I mean, starting with the relationship with Jesus Christ and then going beyond that in, in following the mentorship of Christ and, and using that as a model for, uh, for how we do things. And that's what we're going to be uh, talking with Gina about today. And, and as we begin to approach this subject, I want to get everyone in the listening audience thinking a little bit about some of the things that are going on. I mean, when you stop and think about it, when you look at everything that's going on, whether it's in your local town or the state or looking across the country and everything that is happening, the dynamics that are going on in our country, what is it that you think our country really needs foundationally? You know, do you like the direction that we're headed in? Do you think that we're doing well? Do you think we're not doing well? Why are we not doing well if we're not doing well? And what, what do we need to do about it? What do you think um, are the keys to our success individually and as a nation? If we're going to continue to survive and grow and, and, and continue to be an effective world power, what does the United States need to be doing that maybe we're not doing? And when you look at it, how has everything that has been going on in our country recently from, you know, from a practical perspective, of, you know, and fiscally, how are those things impacting where we are and the challenges that we're currently facing? I mean, I think about things like, you know, gender confusion and the whole thing of, of, of the roles of, of men and women in life and in the family and things like that, abortion, taxation, uh, and, and what seems to me kind of to be the growing self-centered nature of more and more people in our country today. How are all of those things coming together and how are they impacting uh, the things that are going on in our country? And what do we need to be doing about some of those foundational issues? You know, today is your day. So call in if you have a voice of that, uh, a voice uh, to voice an opinion. 
or to generate some uh, some discussion with us. Uh, and we're, what we're going to do, normally uh, when, I, uh, when I have someone on, we usually record uh, prior to the broadcast, and then I go back and break it up into segments. Uh, but today, uh, I didn't do that. We're going to play our interview with Gina Loudon as one segment, one full segment of the show, uh, because it just seemed to flow so nicely in our conversation, and I just really didn't want to break it up. But let me, let me tell you a little bit about Gina. Gina Loudon, is an author, uh, an anchor, a columnist, a show host. Uh, she is a, uh, a news commentator. She has two master's degree and a PhD in, psych- in the psychological fields. Uh, she's uh, an author, a co-author of a book called Ladies and Gentlemen, Why the Survival of Our Republic Depends on the Revival of Honor. And she also just uh, recently authored another book uh, along with uh, Anne Anne Murrell and Morgan Brittany called What Women Really Want. And that's a book that you'll definitely want to uh, want to pick up. Uh, Gina is also the originator of the field of polycology, which is the nexus of politics and psychology. Um, those of you who uh, listen to the radio or watch TV at all, are probably familiar with Gina. Uh, she's a show host. She's a national speaker. She's a writer. Uh, and she's been you know, all over the place as far as uh, interacting with the news media. She's been on The O'Reilly Factor. She's been on Sean Hannity's show. She's been on Fox and Friends and Neil Cavuto. Now, the Willis Report happening now uh, on the record with Greta Van Susteren, uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. She's also been on uh, radio uh, stations like the BBC and Radio Ireland. She is a fascinating, fascinating lady, and I just am grateful that uh, I've been able to make a connection with her and get to know her uh, a little bit, and I'm really grateful that she, uh, that she came on and was willing to do the interview uh, with me. So with that, we're going to be talking with Gina about Christian leadership, so we're going to jump right in now, and we're going to play the entire interview with Gina Loudon, and then I'll be back afterwards with some comments. Well, today, as I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are really excited to have Dr. Gina Loudon on the show with us. Uh, It's interesting. I reached out to Gina a couple of weeks ago uh, because I had seen her when she was on TV on Sean Hannity's show. I happen to be a a real Fox News junkie, Uh, but I heard her talking. And uh, and really, you know, she piqued my interest by one specific thing that we said, and we'll jump into that in just a minute. But Gina, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to be with me today. I really appreciate you making time in your schedule to talk with me. Oh, it's absolutely a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Gina, the thing that really got my attention is when you were on Sean's show, you you. Um, I don't even know that I was particularly paying attention to the show. I was kind of doing some work and listening to the TV in the background, but you made one statement that uh, that really hit me, and that was the statement about needing more Christian leaders here in the United States. What, what's driving your thoughts and your feelings about that need? Well, I think the statement I made on Hannity, um, I've written a lot about it, where I write at WND.com, and you can also find my columns at DrGeniusShow.com, because I write about this topic a lot, and I said in that uh, that particular show, if I remember correctly, I think what you're referring to is I said that women need husbands, children need fathers, and America needs God, and I feel really strongly about that. I think as we look at what has happened in our culture, I mean, things like the Ray Rice case that was prominent in the news the week that I was on Sean Hannity's show that you're talking about. Um, we look at that and people, people didn't really know what to do with that information. They didn't know how to process it. 
50 years of bra-burning feminism has told women that they aren't allowed to be women and men that they aren't allowed to be men. And I would say that that has really brought us to a place in our society where when something happens, like Ray Rice beats his uh, then-girlfriend, now-wife, um, people say, well, I don't know, she hit him too, so isn't that kind of the same thing? No, it isn't the same thing, but you have to make it or try to make it into the same thing if you've emasculated uh, men and and, uh, and and emasculated women. And so my point is that, you know, we, we can't hide anymore as conservatives from the things that the left has told us we have to hide from, things like the so-called social issues that I believe aren't social issues at all. I can't think of a social issue. I don't care what you want to name, gay, marriage, abortion, you name it. There is not a social issue that doesn't have a fiscal impact. Take abortion, for example. No matter how you feel about abortion, if you are an economic conservative um, and you, I mean, I, I just asked the question, are you okay with funding an entity like Planned, Planned Parenthood to give abortions to women? Um, to the tune of $1 million a day. Do you know what that amounts to in a year? And how is that a social issue? And so I think we have to sort of start taking the narrative that we've been fed and going on the offensive and saying, um, no, not at all. These aren't the things that America really cares about. We're not talking about what women really want, which, by the way, is the title of our book. It's a bestseller, by the way. i got to get that in there somewhere. Um, and uh, and we're not talking about the things that America really wants or needs either. Okay, that's really that's really interesting. And and one of the things that really resonated with me and what you just said there is the whole concept of men being emasculated. I mean, one of my favorite books uh, is written by a fellow named John Eldridge called Wild at Heart, and he talks. Oh, I love that book. I love John Eldridge, John and Stacy. Love that. Yeah, and and he but he really hits it right down the middle when he talks about how the how the church has emasculated men, and that's one of the big things that has bothered me over the years is that is that Christian men are not being trained, they're not being mentored by the church to be godly leaders, not godly leaders in the church, in their families, or in business. And one of the biggest struggles that I have is how do we go about doing that? How do we get the message out there to men that says, you know, guys, you've got to stand up and be the people that God wants you to be? I don't know your religious background, and I don't know what sorts of um, what sorts of things um, you know you believe. I have no idea your doctrine. But I'll tell you this right now. One of the places we need to start is in our portrayal of Jesus. Let's just take one fact. Let's just take the fact that Jesus was a carpenter. I don't know how many carpenters you've met in your life, but very seldom are that are they uh, physically describable as that feminine, emasculated uh, Jesus that we see so often portrayed on the cross. Now, he could have been starved for days at that point. He may have been in an extended fasting period. So it could be that he was thin. But even the features on a lot of the popular icons um, look a little bit feminized to me. I have also seen pictures of him painted um, where he looks much more masculine. I've seen pictures of him, like, you know, talking to the children and things like that, where he looks much more like what I think of when I see a carpenter and what he much more likely looked like. And so I think we need to, first of all, start with asking ourselves the question, what is our image of Jesus? Because if we all believe that that is, uh, you know, the ultimate image, um, then I think we need to say, well, really, why are we believing? Why are we buying into a feminine image of Jesus? They feminized Jesus, not only physically, but also emotionally. They focused on things like 
you know, the peaceful part of Jesus's personality, which is a very important part. But let's not forget that the triune God said, uh, you know, things like hate was a perfect hatred, talking about hating sin, um, that there was war, that Jesus threw the tables, uh, you know, when, uh, when the Pharisees um, were being corrupt. And so let's not forget about righteous anger that is prevalent all over the Bible. There's a time and a place to say, hey, this is really bad. Let's take radical Islam happening in our culture right now and, and, and consider as also the Christians being murdered on the mountain by the terrorists and even the terrorists in our own country that are infiltrating illegally and uh, killing our people. Let's, let's think about that. And so uh, I think that we have a right to have a righteous anger. And so you, you hear about these topics and you say, oh, well, you know, we should give amnesty and we should be all sympathetic all the time and it should always be about compassion. Sometimes love is tough. Every parent knows this. Let's not forget the Bible said, spare, spare the rod, spoil the child. Sometimes love is very tough and sometimes it's not the best thing to always do the knee jerk most compassionate sounding thing right at the beginning. The Bible also says, man who doesn't work shall not eat. I'm sure you've covered this on your show a million times. That's some tough love right there. That's hard to say to people, but it's the truth. So let's, if we're going to call ourselves Christians and we are Judeo-Christian culture, I'm not going to let go of that for a second. Um, let's make sure that we're talking about the right image of, of God and let's make sure that we're talking about the right image of Jesus. But one other thing, and, and this is where the leadership component comes in that you talk about so often on your show, that is the whole idea. Are you familiar with the Black Robe Regimen? Do you talk about that ever? No, I'm not familiar with that. Well, it was the political persuaders of the day. You know, they didn't have Facebook and Twitter, but the Facebook and Twitter of the day historically were the Black Robe Regimen. This was a regimen of pastors who literally went about the business of keeping the government in line. Because guess what? That's the purview of pastors. It is to be that uh, societal moral compass, right? And they knew that. They knew that from the beginning of the founding of America. And so people, your, your listeners can, can Google Black Robe Regimen. I've actually written about it, WND.com. It's a really important component. The government has lied to pastors and emasculated pastors in their own pulpits, telling them that when they got their white collar, they somehow traded that for uh, their First Amendment rights. It's not true. You still have those First Amendment rights as a pastor. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about from that pulpit. It's your freedom of speech. And you don't hawk it when you get a white collar, right? So there's a whole movement across the country called Freedom in the Pulpit, where folks like my co-authors and I, um, for our book, What Women Really Want, are asking pastors to rise up and take leadership and dominion of their churches again, and to ask fathers to be fathers again, and to be present, and to be masculine in the ways that God made them masculine, and to lead their families. But this first requires the pastors, not just calling on fathers to do that, but pastors doing it themselves. And what the pastors in the movement are doing is literally pe preaching politics because it is so important to our culture right now, preaching politics directly from the pul pulpit and sending the tape to the IRS, daring them to come after them. Because guess what? They know that it is a First Amendment right. And if the IRS ever does go after a church for this, it will be declared unconstitutional. And then the whole country is going to know the dirty little secret that the government has absolutely no reign over what the pastors say in the pulpit. That's what pastors need to do again. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Gina. Uh, and and it's interesting because I'm actually working with a couple of pastors now who want to do exactly that. And one of them has said, you know, one of the problems that we have, and it's being driven by pastors in the pulpit who are the mamby pamby, wishy washy, can't go there mm -hmm. types of people. But he said, what well, he said, stop and think about it. He said, if you in the in the Christian church today, the majority of mainstream Christians, if you are a man in the church and you work really, really, really Really hard, you can achieve the lofty, elevated position of being a really nice guy. And he said, now, mm -hmm. you, now stop and think about that and look at people in the Bible like Moses and David and the mm -hmm. Apostle Paul. If, if anybody asked you to ever to describe those people, would the words nice guy ever come up in, you, in your mind? No, not a chance. You know, no. they, they were, you know, they were certainly compassionate men. They were loving men, but they were warriors. And in the Old Testament, God says, I am a warrior. And, and I believe that he's instilled that in every man, you know, to be a warrior, to be a warrior for what's right, to be a warrior that seeks God's heart, to be a warrior in the way he protects his family and, and cares for his wife, which is why the whole thing with Ray Rice just angers me because it's like, you know, somebody needs to be beaten on him <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, you know, because it's just not the right thing to do. A man should never treat a woman like that. No, but it's hard to argue when we say men and women are exactly the same, and we have folks like uh, my psychobabbler uh, compadres that say, uh, "Hey, that's true. Men and women—it's just a social reaction. There's no, there's no embedded masculine, feminine." Well, that's just not true. God made us completely different. All you have to do is look at us to know. And uh, God's design for men and women in the differences are divine, and I think we need to celebrate that, not deny it. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing ever that we would deny that there are differences between men and women and that that's completely socialized. And if you just give a boy a Barbie, you're going to make him into a whole person somehow. And you're absolutely right. Pastors are to exhort in the pulpit first. And Christians are to war because, as you said, God was a warrior. But I, you know, I'm not perfect at this, and I don't want to sound, I certainly never want to sound like a preacher because that would not be a role for me at all. But I also don't want to sound preachy. And I want to tell you that when I was, uh, when I had first moved to California, I said, I'm here to be a culture warrior. And I was all excited. I was giving a speech right out on the ocean, and I was excited to be in California giving a speech uh, right in the heart of where the, where the greatest culture war is actually happening, right in California. And uh, so I'm saying all this about culture warrior, and then I had to check myself, because I hear that still small voice sometimes that we all hear, and that was, how are you a culture warrior exactly? Because pretty much what you do is you speak to women's groups, you speak to Christian groups, you speak to mom's groups, you go on Fox News and Fox Business and talk to people that agree with you. You have your own show where you talk about, talk to people that agree with you and you write books to people that agree with you. How is that a war? That isn't a war. Don't forget that what God did was he claimed territory and it was all for us ultimately and all for his glory. And we should be doing the same thing. When, when, you know, when, when we are out there every day, not that that part is not important, because of course, um, you know, building each other up, honing our message, all of that is super important, edifying one another, critical to the movement and to the message. But ultimately, we've got to go onto the turf of other people. So while I was giving this speech about myself being a culture warrior, I was getting a call from a casting agent who wanted me to go on the show ABC's Wife Swap. Well, that sounded like a horrible idea to me on a number of levels. Um, and I just told him no, just my, my knee jerk. I said no. But ultimately, after I thought about this and after I kept giving speeches on how I wanted to be a culture warrior, 
I kept hearing that still small voice saying, really? Culture warrior, huh? Really? When are you going to take my call? And so I, um, I called the guy back and I said, you know what, I'll, I'll consider it. And ultimately I did it. And the show just, uh, we do talk about it in our book, what women really want. I have a whole chapter on my extended story, but briefly, why swap isn't uh, about swapping any other anything other than cultures. Let's just start there. And uh, and ultimately, I had an opportunity to see really how the hand of God can work if we're not afraid of being played a fool for Him. Because don't forget the words God's own fool. Is there any better title in the world? And uh, you know, to get to go into that realm, no matter how horrible the experience, and my experience was the most horrible of my life, honestly. Um, but when I came out of it to see the conversions that happened. That was the magic moment for me where I realized that we as Christians have got to engage the culture. I stopped turning down interview requests from networks that I thought uh, weren't playing my tune. I stopped um, turning down interview requests from networks or shows that I thought might make me look stupid because we have to be prepared to go to war. And sometimes that means taking big risks and going onto their turf. And quickly, a story that I tell in the book um, is one of a, of a friend of mine named Sandra Gibb, who um, saw me on Wife Swap, tweeted me a hate tweet, and um, he was a gay radio uh, broadcaster out of New York. Very, very liberal. His show was um, basically, I think, comprised mostly of transvestites and other types of people that um, that hated people like me. And I turned his stomach. I made him sick. You know, he just thought I was the worst thing ever. But um, when he saw me on WiveSwap and when I engaged him with love in conversation, we now are good friends, and his story is actually in my book as one of the conversions. He's a believer. He is changing all sorts of things about himself, and his politics have changed dramatically. And, um, you know, it's not me. God just used me in that realm. And he will use you, too, I'm saying to your audience, if you're willing to, to really, truly be a warrior, like God said. Wow, that is that is so powerful, and it's so true. And that's exactly what needs to happen: is that we need to stand up, and and we need to be warriors. We need to step out boldly for Christ, realizing that if He has told us, if He has given that mission, I mean, He said, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel." And and like you're saying, preaching the gospel to people who already believe, it's kind of okay. What's the big deal? You know, everybody already believes. Everybody always agree. Already agrees with me. So we need to we need to be more aggressive in 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 doing that. And one of the things I, I would just like to talk to you about for a couple of minutes is you know we do this within the framework of the church, and we have to be out and we have to be capturing society. What do you think are some of the practical applications on the business side for people who are leaders in business? How do we how do we grasp this, and how do we use this to you know to use the economy and to use Use, use commerce to help us achieve this mission? I love that question. And I wish more people, especially more business people out there, would really ask this question. Freedom is absolutely inseparable from faith. Uh, you, you, I mean, to, to, to know God is to know freedom. And, and to be involved in the free market of this economy is one of the greatest honors in the history of any sort of business person. And so, first of all, people should consider themselves very blessed, and they should be willing to fight for those free market economics that give them all the privileges they do. So often you meet business people and they say, oh, yeah, I'm not into politics. Well, good for you. Guess what? You better be, because your freedom is about one election away. I think Reagan said it best. 
um, I think one generation away, he said that I would say that our, the loss of our freedom is, is, is beckoning. It is, it is truly at our door. And I'm not sure God is going to continue to bless a country full of business people that have had more privileges than any other uh, business people in the history of the world. I'm not sure he's going to continue to bless us if we're not willing to fight for that freedom. And so we have to be able to uh, articulate and to, um, to witness. This is not in a religious way necessarily, but your witness can be so bold just in loving people, just in operating out of the Judeo-Christian tradition that is so, uh, so foundational in this country. And so that's where I think as, as business people, we, we do have a huge, huge opportunity to engage the culture for the purpose of free market economics and to make sure that they're maintained and to make sure that we are operating under um, the Judeo-Christian principles within the office. And, 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 and just, you know, it's such a great, and I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but it's such a great um, just place to harvest uh, love in, in an office because so much of what takes place in the, in the business world is sort of cutthroat. Um, and I think you can still be strong, but I think you can always lead with, with that sort of love that, that Christ led with and uh, still leads with today. We have a perfect example in him and, People need to continue to to pursue that. Absolutely, I I couldn't agree with that more. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, if you if you just look at the uh, at the Bible itself and all of the wealth of information it contains there, I mean, it is probably the best business manual ever written in the history of the world. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's the so, best everything manual. But yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and and just and just looking, I mean, look at the way Jesus built relationships. Look at how he reached out to other people. Uh, you know, all of there just so many valuable lessons there. Um, Gina, as we wind down our time here today, and I do appreciate so much you coming on, one, one final question, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if you have an opinion on it or not, but you kind of alluded to it in, your, in the response to the last question that I asked, and that is, is it too late for us you know, in, in this country? Do you think that, that we have gone so far down that slippery slope that it's impossible for us to come back? Or if we really, if we really get on fire and start doing the right things, can we really turn this country around? It's not too late for us for one reason and one reason only. Our fight is not of this world. And God has called upon us to be warriors. God has called upon us to preserve freedom. God has called upon us to live by his principles. And if we're not doing that, if we're copying out because we say, oh, it's too late, or I don't like the dirtiness of politics, then we've completely missed his calling, and we're going to have to account for that. And uh, not only do I think that we need to all be very engaged in the political process right now, I'm not suggesting a party. I think look at your own values and decide where you belong um, and decide who you want to support. And I think that's fine. Look based on the issues. Look at the platforms of the party. I have a whole chapter on this in our book, What Women Really Want, called Platforms and Stilettos. And it talks about how, how people can really make a difference if they look at their political platform and hold politicians accountable to that. Whichever platform you want, just look at it first and make sure it's in line with your values. And so, so that's where I think um, asking the wrong question, if we're asking, is it too late? Are we doomed as a country? Because God expects us to fight no matter what. Look, look at how Jesus's life is a perfect example of, of uh, to the very last moment, he still had his faculty all about him. He was still on his mission. We are still on our mission. And what happens to this country is entirely irrelevant to that mission because this is not our home. So I think, um, first of all, no, it, from just a, a, Reagan-esque op, a Reagan-esque optimist perspective, 
I don't think it's too late. I think there's something rugged and awesome and fiercely Christian about this nation um, that that will pull itself up by the bootstraps and, and pull us back um, to where we need to be somehow, some way. Can I tell you exactly how that's going to happen? No, I can't. But I do know this. If we cop out, if we don't take part in this political system, we will be held accountable. There's another story I put in our book that I want to share with you briefly. Um, our book, again, What Women Really Want. There's a story in there about sort of my conversion from being a full-time stay-at-home mom, wife of a senator, raising five children, homeschooling them in his Senate office in the Capitol. Um, and the moment that I knew that I had to take an active role, I don't know if you've ever heard of a woman named Kitty Worthman, but she was a Holocaust survivor from Austria. And I tell the story in more detail in the book, but briefly, um, you know, she talked about how how it came subtly and you didn't think and you didn't know and you didn't want to do anything. And you didn't want to shake the boat because it didn't seem that bad because after all, your business was still going fine, right? And then she talks about how uh, they made made her brother round the corners of the tables in his little cafe um, where he was barely making ends meet and uh, because they didn't want, you know, any health code violations. And, of course, they took away their guns. That's always the first thing. And it, she caused me to pause in my maternal instinct and ask myself this question. If I sat across from my mother, as Kitty Worthman did, in a gulag, in a concentration camp someday, and my children asked me, what were you doing while our country fell to tyranny? And while the world, by the way, fell to tyranny, because if we fall, so goes the world. I promise you that. I interviewed Trevor Loudon, my cousin, my cousin I call him, uh, this week on WND. You can see that article there. And he talks about how if the United States goes, we all go. And so if I have to sit across from my children and account for what I was doing in the years prior to the fall of this country, I want them to know that I was fighting with everything I had until the very last moment for their freedom. And, uh, and, and I would just urge your, um, your listeners to, to check out that chapter in the book because I think it's a, quite a moving, um, a moving directive from this Kitty Workman who survived the Nazi Holocaust in Austria. Pretty, pretty, pretty persuasive lady. That is, uh, that's an amazing story, Gina, and, and you're absolutely right. We have to fight with our dying breath for what we know to be right uh, and to, you know, to stand up and continue to proclaim that message. And if for no other reason, to be able to say the next generation deserves to have the blessings that we have enjoyed. We can't throw that away. We have to continue to pave the pathway and leave a wonderful country as a legacy for them to enjoy and to pass on to, to the next generation. Um, Gina, thank you so much. This has been great. I, I could spend hours uh, talking with you, uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. Uh, and just God bless you. Keep continuing. Uh, keep the good fight of faith going. And I hope you have a chance to talk again in the future. All right. That sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Wow. So that's our interview with uh, with Dr. Gina Loudon. Some really, really powerful stuff there uh, that we're going to talk about when uh, when we come back from a break. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to give us a call, 860-432-9735. Uh, text us at 860-856-7193 or uh, questions to questions at optex.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with The Gary Smith Show. 
Hey, this is Daniel Fazina, and I would like to invite you to join me on Divine Intervention, the interview show that features intriguing people who've experienced the hand of God in amazing ways. Sundays at 4 p.m. on WSDK. More information about the show, free downloads, and podcasts are available at our website, divineinterventionradio.com. Divine Intervention, Sundays at 4 p.m. on WSDK. Are you happy with where you are in life? Do you have a dream of becoming and achieving so much more? Hi, my name is Gary Smith. I'm a business consultant, life coach, professional speaker, and author of a book called The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life. If you're serious about taking your life to the next level, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially, then you need to read this book. Wrapped around the story of David and Goliath, The Shepherd and the Princess presents a powerful set of logical strategies designed to help you create the life you deserve. As you turn the pages, you'll receive step-by-step instructions that will help you define and clarify your purpose in life. You'll then be driven to create and implement plans for achieving your most precious dreams. Visit Optex.com and get your copy of The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life today. Bright skies continue through the afternoon across the Connecticut Valley near 40. An increase in cloudiness tonight as the next system approaches upper 20s and remaining mostly cloudy tomorrow, low to mid 40s. A coastal storm coming northward might bring some rain and snow to the region Sunday night into Monday, then rain by Monday afternoon, mid-40s. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. Hi, I'm Pastor David Saylor from First Baptist Church, Manchester. Thanks for listening to 1550 AM, WSDK, life-changing radio. Okay, welcome back to the Gary Smith Show on this cold, chilly Saturday morning uh, where we just finished uh, about a 25-minute interview with Dr. Gina Loudon. And I'll tell you what, uh, there are so many different topics, there's so many different directions we could take uh, from this interview. Uh, and and I, I would be willing to bet that I could extract at least a half a dozen topics from, uh, uh, from this interview that would make great books. Uh, and maybe we'll do that in the future. Uh, but I wanted to talk, I want to take, uh, we're going to do a couple of different segments here. Uh, but I wanted to get your opinion, too. So please feel free to call us, 860-432-9735. Let's get some discussion going here if we can. But uh, the, the first thing that really hit me is that uh, one of the things that Gina said is that, you know, there is not a social issue that does not have a fiscal impact. And I think that, that is, uh, that's something that we need to consider in, in everything that we do because we have raised such a, a me-oriented society in so many respects that when people are looking at the government, when they're considering how they're going to vote in the elections, when they are petitioning their senators uh, for things, when lobbyists are working uh, in Washington, I wonder how how deep we really dig into uh, understanding what's going on, because I think we live in a society that it's so much about what it is that we want. You know, it's what's going to benefit me, uh, what's in it for me, those those sorts of things. And and as a result of that, I don't I think we tend to be very, very shallow and we don't look and say, OK, if we really get what we want, what is the impact of that? How is it going to impact the culture? How is it going to impact the, uh, the fiscal nature of things that are, that are going on? And I think that's where we tend to be, uh, you know, maybe either because we don't know how to go about doing that analysis, but a lot of times I think we just don't care. 
Uh, and that is that we just we sit back and we say, you know what, I want what I want, and I don't care what the ramifications are. I don't care how it impacts anybody else. And we really need to be conscious of that. I mean, just I think a, a classic example, and, and you can – I'm not saying, you know, you know th- I know that there are some of our listeners who are pro-choice and there are some of our listeners who are pro-life, and that's fine. You decide which pathway you want to follow. I happen to be pro-life. I have always been pro-life, and I will always be pro-life, and you're not going to dissuade me from that. But whether you are pro-life or whether you are pro-choice, look at the numbers. There's over 40 million kids uh, who have not been born as a result of, and I know the number is larger than 40 million. Uh, I, I haven't seen it recently, but I know it's a lot more than 40 million now. But there are at least 40 million children who are not part of the workforce today because they were never given the opportunity to be born. And when you look at things like that, look at something simple like the impact on Social Security. How many people, uh, you know, many of us now are getting to a point where we're, you know, looking in the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, we're looking forward to retiring. And even though we may be saving in our 401ks and 403bs and IRAs and all that sort of stuff, we, uh, you know, we still are going to be counting on Social Security to supplement our retirement income. Well, what happens as a result of having 40 million less people potentially in the workforce is that they're no longer contributing. They are not able to contribute to Social Security. So you have less people putting money in, and because of our aging population, we have more money pulling people out, or put more people pulling money out. And so what happens? You know, that's part of the whole bankrupting of the Social Security system. And so there are fiscal uh, ramifications to these sorts of things that we need to be thinking about. Uh, and that should be driving the decision-making process and not just, you know, well, I want to be in control of my own body or whatever the case may be. So we have to be really, really careful about that. Another thing I think we need to look at is is the whole concept of men and leadership. You know, whether you are uh, in the church or whether you are in business, whatever, or whether you know whether you're just a, a family man, uh, you know Christian men have to take a stand, and they have to start becoming the leaders that God intended them to be. And as Gina was talking about, I think that that starts with what is our image of Jesus. You know, do we see Jesus as this kind of, you know, mamby-pamby, wishy-washy, you know, very, very gentle type of person? And, and, and is that driving us to model that sort of behavior? And is it driving pastors in the pulpit for how they treat men and, and what they expect of the men in their congregations? How is that, uh, how is that whole thing uh, coming together? And we need to begin realizing that, you know, that Jesus uh, had a mission, and that he was he was pursuing he was hot on the heels of that mission for the entire time that he was on this earth and that there were times when he was very aggressive but he knew what he wanted and he went after it and he was and he was uh, aggressive in his pursuit of that now that's not to say that he was disrespectful but he was lovingly and caringly honest and I think that's an important thing that, that men need to do. But when you stop and think about it, I mean, guys and, and, and women too, you know, look at the men in your lives. Look at the men in your church and things like that. And, and ask, ask yourself this question, how many men are really, and I mean really, striving to be like Christ? And what does that look like? What does it look like when, uh, when a man really is pursuing Christ and seeking to model himself after Jesus Christ? 
What does that look like? How does it manifest itself? How should it manifest itself? And that gets back to the discussion that Gina and I were having about pastors. You know, what about pastors? How many pastors are willing to get up in the pulpit and address the tough issues and not worry about what the IRS is going to do? You know, it's, it is, as Gina said, it's the purview of pastors to be the societal moral compass. And I'll tell you, I've had the opportunity over the years to visit a lot of Christian churches or churches who claim to be Christian churches. And I would say that probably 90% of the churches I've attended, the pastor gets up in, in the pulpit and he's afraid to say what needs to be said. Now, does that mean that they should be up there ramming things down people's throats? No, I don't believe that that's the case at all. But they should be putting things out there because I think the goal of the pastor is to get people to do the right things by giving them the kind of information that they need to be able to make decisions. Um, many of you are familiar with John Rowland. For a number of years, he had a, a radio show on WTIC in the afternoon. I used to listen to him all the time, and I was actually had the opportunity to be on his show a couple of times times. And when I was on the show with John, one of the comments I made to him was that, you know, um, you know, you don't seem to be pushing your own point of view here on the show. And John said, no, that's not my job. He said, I, I don't believe that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. He said, I think my goal uh, through this radio show is to get people to think and to realize that just because it's on TV or just because you heard it on the radio or just because you read it in the newspaper does not mean that it's necessarily true, that you have to think for yourself. You have to ask yourself when I'm reading a particular article in the newspaper, does this make any sense? And and then make decisions, you know, dig deep and get the information for yourself and, and verify, like Ronald Reagan used to say, trust but verify, uh, and then be able to make your own decisions. And I think that is, in large respect, the job of pastors is to equip people with uh, not just with saying, hey, here's what I believe and here's what you should believe, but looking at it from the viewpoint of here's what the Bible says and here's information. You guys need to learn to think on your own and, and rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you into an understanding of what you're supposed to be doing. And I believe when we start to grasp those principles that we will get where we need to be. And that's, I think, the whole thing that Gina was talking about behind the freedom uh, in the pulpit movement. And that is that we really need to begin not only uh, insisting as parishioners but coming behind and supporting the pastors in our community to get them to get up in the pulpit and be bold for Jesus Christ. And part of that is looking at it and saying, you know what, if Jesus was in our society today, if he was alive and walking the earth today like he did 2,000 years ago, and he walked into your church and took over your pulpit for one Sunday, what message would he deliver? And in many cases, I'm, I'm sorry to say, it wouldn't be the kind of messages that we hear today. And I think that fundamentally needs to change. Um, one of my favorite people in the entire world is James Dobson, and that was one of the targets that he hit, as he said, time after time after time, when, we, uh, when he had Focus on the Family, the radio program, he would say when there were critical things going on in Congress, he would reach out to the American people and say, call your congressmen, call your senators, let them know how you feel, let them know how you expect them to vote on things. And he said, every time I did that, he said, we would sit back and say, there's 80% of the people in this country who claim to be evangelical Christians, but he said, I always come up with the same question, and that is, where is the Christian church? 
folks, it's time for the Christian church to stand up and have its voice and and have an impact on the world. We're going to take another quick break here, and we'll be back with our final segment here on The Gary Smith Show. This Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, listen to Word of Truth, the preaching ministry of Truth Baptist Church in South Windsor. This week, Pastor Bim Rowley continues his series, Spiritual Living. Learn what the book of 1 Corinthians says about living a life that's pleasing to God. Truth Baptist Church is located at 60 Burnham Street in South Windsor with Sunday services at 1030 and 6. They believe in teaching God's truth in an environment of love. Word of Truth can be heard every Saturday morning at 9 on 1550 AM WSDK. My organization asked me to find a speaker for one of our major events. I didn't know where to turn until a friend recommended that I contact Gary Smith. Gary was easy to work with and affordable. He designed and delivered an amazing program that met all of our needs. This is Gary Smith. If you're looking for a speaker who will entertain, educate, and inform your audience, call me at 203-599-1467 to discuss your specific requirements. I speak on a wide range of business, personal development, and spiritual topics, and I'll create a program that is guaranteed to please. Again, I'm Gary Smith, and I look forward to your call, 203-599-1467. On the chilly side through the afternoon, despite bright skies across the Connecticut Valley near 40, an increase in cloudiness tonight as the next system approaches upper 20s and remaining mostly cloudy low to mid-40s tomorrow. Then a coastal storm coming northward might bring some rain and wet snow Sunday night into early Monday, then some rain afterward mid-40s. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. This is Beth Stafford from Mac Charities, and you're listening to Life Changing Radio, WSDK. Okay, welcome back to the Gary Smith Show, uh, where we're doing some commentary on my interview earlier in the show with Dr. Gina Loudon. Um, and I'm sure that many people, because this is a business and personal development show, many people in the audience are probably sitting back saying, okay, you've been talking about faith and modeling ourselves after Jesus and, and that sort of stuff. Gary, what's that got to do with personal development and business? And I think Gina hit it right on the head when she said that, you know, that freedom in our country uh, and success in, in life and in business has to be inseparable from our faith. Being involved in free market economics is a blessing, and it's an opportunity, but it's also a responsibility for business people. We absolutely have to live our faith every day. And and as business, you know, if you're a business owner, you have to live your faith in the way you make decisions and in the way you approach things, in the way you deal with your employees, in the way you deal with your customers. It all is foundational to, you know, to, to being successful. Uh, if you will follow Jesus Christ and if you will do the things that are right, ultimately you will be victorious. You'll be successful in, in doing that. And, and it's not just in your own little world. I think many of us tend to sometimes look at things not from a macro point of view, but from a micro point of view. So we're looking within the four walls of our business, and we don't realize the ripple effect that we have. Yeah, you may just be a small business person, but when you're doing the right thing, it's like throwing that pebble into uh, into the still water of a pond and watching the ripple effect. It has to, and it will, penetrate out into the marketplace, not only to benefit you, but to benefit many, many other people. And so having that kind of attitude in what we do in, in business is really, really important. 
And that that leads me to another thing I wanted to hit on that Gina was talking about, and that is the whole concept of being transparent and becoming true culture warriors. I love the fact that Gina was so honest and transparent when she said that initially when she went out to change the culture of this country, she was just dealing with people who agreed with her. And, and finally, she realized through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, well, wait a minute, what's the big deal? When you're always talking with people who agree with you, what good does that do? And that, I think, is the, is the important part for us because it's one thing. We can go to church and we can be in Bible studies and, and things like that, and it makes it really easy to be vocal about our faith when we know that we're not going to get a lot of pushback. Uh, but what about when we're in situations where uh, we're with people who don't agree with us, who maybe don't believe the same, same things, or at the very least, we don't know if they agree or if they don't? How do we go about handling those things? Uh, how do we go about addressing those issues? And are we still firm in our faith? Are we loving? Uh, are we caring? Are we, um, are we nice in the way we approach things? But are we standing firm in what we believe, or do we kind of knuckle under? Uh, do we espouse things that we don't believe, or do, or do we just kind of stand there and not say anything? Um, you know, and how does that impact what Jesus would do? You know, Jesus never walked away from an issue. Uh, and yet I think many of us do. We allow ourselves to because uh, we're relying on our own strength and not only and not just the strength of uh, of Jesus Christ. And I think that's really important. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to hit on real quickly here, and that is that I had asked Gina about, uh, is it too late for America? And I have to admit right now that uh, that she changed my thinking on this just in the few words that she said about it, because I've always been the type of person I, I, I like to see myself as an optimistic person. But when it comes to the future of the United States, I've read through the book of Revelation and I've made comments on numerous occasions about I don't see the United States anywhere uh, mentioned uh, even remotely in the book of Revelation. And so from that standpoint, I've been kind of negative and saying, uh, you know, well, I don't think the United States in the end times is really going to be a world power, you know, or at least we're going to be in a situation where we're not going to have the amount of influence that we do today. And Gina really hit me upside the head with the words that she said, because it was in a, we were in a situation where it really doesn't matter. It's not important. Uh, we need to be doing what God has called us to do because, as she said, Earth is not our home. America is ultimately not our home. And so we need to uh, dive in and we need to be doing things that God wants us to do and keep on keeping on and we fight the battle until it's over and it's not over until Christ returns. So with that, I want to thank you for uh, being with us today for The Gary Smith Show. Thank you to Dr. Gina Loudon for being with us. Uh, thanks to Zach Hutchinson, my producer, for being in studio with me today and for helping me run the show. Uh, thanks so much for being with me. We'll look forward to seeing you again at 11 o'clock next Saturday morning for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. Until then, God bless you. Live your life with purpose. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.